Hello and welcome back to another episode of Bite Size Cinema. I'm your host RJ McCready and for this episode we're going to be taking you guys back to the year in 1999 to look at Stephen Summers' action adventure movie The Mummy. So let's get on that camel, let's load up the weapons, let's go back to the city of the dead, Hammer Natra, and let's have a look at a trailer and I'll see you guys soon. on a dig down in Thebes. Jonathan, I think you found something. There is an ancient legend of a place known as the City of the Dead. We call it the doorway to hell. Where the earliest pharaohs were said to have hidden the wealth of Egypt. Are we going into battle? There's something out there. Something underneath that sand. They came to uncover its secrets. Mummies, my good son. This is where they made the mummies. They sought to unlock its treasure. And then there was light. Oh, boy. What they did... Oh, my God. It does exist. I think this may be the Book of the Dead. ...was unleash a force unlike any the world has ever known. You must not read from the book! You have unleashed a creature that we have feared for more than 3,000 years. He will regenerate and no longer be the undead. We are in serious trouble. Did this work? If the occasion calls for it. Trust me, it calls for it. Universal Pictures invites you. His powers are growing. What? This just keeps getting better and better. To experience the adventure. It appears he's already chosen his human sacrifice. That will live forever. If he turns me into a mummy, you're the first one I'm coming after. Go! And welcome back guys, so the synopsis for this on IMBD is at an archaeological dig in the ancient city of Hamanatra, an American serving in the French Foreign Legion accidentally awakens a mummy who begins to wreak havoc as he searches for the reincarnation of his long lost love. It's a PG-13, it's got 124 minute runtime, and it's classed as a action adventure fantasy movie. And it was directed by Stephen Summers, uh, who did a film before this called Deep Rising with Treat Williams. There you go, it's the first time I've mentioned Treat Williams on this show. Um, which I don't think it did too well at the box office, but um, it kind of put him onto the block. And let's, um, I'll tell you what, let's get straight onto the origins of this right now. Um, so, Universal were looking to make a mummy film going right back in 1992. And they originally approached uh, Clive Barker, who's made Hell the Hellraiser franchise. And they offered him $10 million to go and make a mummy film. And he came back and he said, look, I've got this script. Um, and being Clive Barker, what else would they expect for him to come back and say, look, I've got a, got a low budget idea. It's going to be mystic. It's going to be sexual. It's going to be cultist. And it's going to be violent as hell. And Universal went, hmm. It sounds like a really good low-budget film, 
but it's not something we're really interested in. So Clive Barker, I think they just se went separate ways. Um, I don't think there's any love lost there. And Universal then went on to go and speak to uh, Joe Dante. And he can't do anything wrong, really. And they said to him, you know, here's $15 million. Can you make us a film? And he went away and he said, yep, yeah, I'll tell you what, I'll make a love story. It's going to star Daniel Day-Lewis and it's going to involve flesh-eating scarabs. And again, Universe went, it sounds okay, but it's still not what we're looking for. So they said, thank you very much to Joe Dante. It would have been interesting to see what he actually would have done, because I love Joe Dante's movies. They went to go and then go and see George A. Romero. And what else would they expect when you go and speak to George A. Romero? That's right, guys, a zombie movie. And he said, yeah, I'll make you this film. And he went away and he came back with a script and he said, um, how about the mummy meets the night of the living dead? And um, they kind of went, nah, it's not really what we're looking for. <laughs> so Universal really did go back and forth in, in, the, in the early 90s with this film. But what I will say, having said all this and researching all this, um, all those films which I've just mentioned there with Clive Barker, Joe Dante, George A. Romero, they even asked Wes Craven as well, you know, it would have been The Mummy in Your Dreams or something like that. Um, I would have liked to have seen all those films actually, because <laughs> doing the research I could see all those in my head with those directors and they would have killed it I think. But anyway, Universal went, we're just not getting there with this, it's just not working out. So they left it on the shelf. And then they released, right, here we go. This is a total change for what I'm just talking about here. A film called um, Babe, Pig in the City. Universal directed and released that film as a sequel. And it bombed. It didn't do very well. And they went, we really need a hit. We need a hit big time. So Stephen, they approached Stephen Summers. And Stephen Summers said, yep, yeah, I'll make you this film. And he said, how about Indiana Jones um, sort of versus... Jason the Argonauts were a bit terminated and they went, sounds great, can you write us a script? Yep, he came back and he produced The Mummy and they went, okay, let's do it. I'll tell you what, let's give you an $18 million budget, go make us a hit. And I'm kind of flashing forward here because we've got to get to a little bit of a point in this story where they approached Stephen Summers, he made the film, he put it all together. Um, he didn't do too well with Deep Rising, but he made this film and boom, it hit the cinemas, made it for $80 million, and it made $415 million uh, bucks return, and he had himself a hit, to the point where Universal got onto the phone to him and said, literally after the day after it was released, they said, can you make us another one? <laughs> and then they got straight on to do The Mummy Returns. So that's how that's how The Mummy got to where it did, and um, spawned this little franchise, and it's a fun, it's a fun franchise. Um, the third one, didn't do too well critically, but um, on the whole, you know, it is a Sunday afternoon um, action movie. Kind of does all what it says on the tin, if that makes sense. So, uh, so there you go. That's how the Mummy got to be the Mummy in 1999. I know, and again, it's as I said in the last episode um, with Independence Day. I remember going to the cinema, watching this film, and I absolutely loved it. I queued up outside the MGM cinema and there was queues and queues of people wanting to go and watch this film and I loved it and I it just did everything for me um, being an Indiana Jones fan um, 
this was as good as a Indiana Jones remake as you're going to get. So, um, yeah, it's a fun movie. And then just to put the candles on top of this cake, on top of that icing, you've got a fantastic soundtrack by Jerry Goldsmith, um, who is known for films such as The Burbs, King Solomon's Mines, Gremlins, Poltergeist, and Alien. So he has got one hell of an impressive um, stack of movie scores right there. And it's starring Brendan Fraser as Rick O'Connell, Rachel Wise as Evelyn, John Hanna as Jonathan, Arnold Vuzlu as Imhotep, Eric Avari as Dr. Terence, Amid Jolly as Warden Gad, and Patricia Valeska as Anuk. Oh, I can't pronounce his name now. Anuk and Asum. <laughs> I can't pronounce her name. Well, there you go, guys. You know what I'm saying. It's Imhotep's Mrs. or Mistress, which is the whole point of this film. Anyway, like I say, you, you know what I'm getting at here, guys. Anyway, so, um,. What else we got here? We've got some trivia. We've got some RJ oh, McCready trivia. I can't, you can't get away with it, eh? Um, so, what we got? We've got uh, Brendan Fraser nearly got killed at uh, the hanging scene. They actually decided to pretty much hang him, so that probably wasn't a good idea. Um, the name Imhotep was actually uh, an ancient architect who actually created the pyramids back in the day. Uh, the film was supposed to start with a black and white Universal logo, but they didn't. So, I think that was as a reference to the original 1932 movie. Um, Leonardo DiCaprio and Tom Cruise uh, were originally set to play Brendan Fraser. And I'm kind of glad they didn't really, do you know what I mean? Because I think Brendan Fraser does, did a pretty good job. Um, and the live action and computer graphics cost about 15 million quid altogether and Universal actually specifically told them to hold back on the gore so they could keep it as a PG-13. So um, I guess in some ways I've always thought this, this could have been a different movie if it was R-rated. So, um, but you know, it wasn't, it, it still works cool as it is. And the this is a pretty cool for anybody who's a fan of Life Force, I know there's a few out there from 1985 so the plastic dummies used as the corpse in this from that sort of transformation scene so those corpses are the same ones from life force so there you go it's a pretty cool bit of trivia so i'll leave it at that so there you go that's the pretty much uh, a roundup of the building block of the mummy um so let's have a look at the film let's do a bite size review on the mummy so the film starts off with the Universal logos, I think it's portrayed as the sun and then it goes down onto Thebes, Egypt back in 1290 BC and you've got the High Priestess uh, Imhotep who has a love affair with Anak and Asun, um, who is the mistress of the Pharaoh Seti first. He finds out about it, he's not too pleased and he captures Imhotep and he wraps him up, takes his tongue out and curses him of one of the worst curses um, where they say if he comes back he's going to cause all sorts of terror on the world and it's up to the Magi to make sure that he doesn't return and then it flashes forward into 1926 where you see the city of the living dead it's all into ruin and this is where you introduce to Rick O'Connell and he's part of the French Foreign Legion and he's decided to take a ragtag crew to the city of the living dead to try and find all its fame and fortune and all that sort of stuff but he is then attacked by marauding arabs and it's a pretty cool scene here it's a pretty good action scene you got rick o'connell and he's got his uh, sleazy little creepy mate uh, lenny who says you know 
Brick says to him, you're you with me on this one, aren't you? And he goes, oh, yes, Master. Yeah, okay. And then he sort of runs off and then Rick's left um, as the last man standing and he's running around the um, ruined city gunfighting and doing some Indiana Jones stuff here. And straight away, I was kind of like sold with him being the action hero here. And then he is captured by the Magi, who then um, take him back to as a prisoner. You're then introduced to a librarian, Evelyn, who is an aspiring Egyptologist, and her brother Jonathan um, presents her a intricate box uh, with a map that leads to Hamanatra. And Jonathan reveals that he stole it from Rick O'Connor during a dig at Thebes. And then half of this map gets burnt by the curator, somewhat on purpose, which you later find out. And then they think their only hope is to go and find Rick O'Connell, who is just about to be hung. But after Evelyn bids for his life with the prisoner warden, uh, he agrees to show them the way to Hapanatra. And their journey begins on a old steamship on the Nile and you get um, Rick O'Connell is reacquainted with his mate Benny who left him for dead at Hapanatra. And Benny is now leading a group of treasure hunters to the lost city of the dead. And you now get another action scene here where the protectors of the city, the Magi, they turn up on the steamship and they want to stop everybody from trying to get to this city. So you get a shootout here with Rick and you get a good gun battle and you get a scene where he's, it's a funny scene where he's sort of standing on the wall, loading his gun up and he's moving his head as the, as the bullets are going into the wall. And... This goes on for about 10 minutes. Like I say, you've got gunfights, you've got explosions, you've got knife fights. And um, in the end, Benny ends up on one side of the river and Rick ends up on the other side. And there's a funny scene here where Benny goes, I've got all the horses, Rick. And then Rick goes, yeah, well, Benny, you're on the wrong side of the river. <laughs> like this. So you get a good uh, combination of action and comedy here. And then the next day, uh, Rick, Evelyn and the band of treasure hunters along with Benny manage to find the lost city of the dead and they start to evacuate. And after being warned off by the Magi and their leader being called Ardeth Bay, they continue. And you get a scene here where they go into the tombs and you get really good sort of typical sort of action. Well, not an action scene, but a scene where Rick's walking around with a torch with a fire torch and a gun and they find a tomb with the Book of the Dead whilst the other treasure hunters find another tomb but they find these carpic jars that carry Anakunana Sum's preserved organs and then during the night time Evelyn she has been warned not to read from this book she reads from the Book of the Dead and then she accidentally awakens Imitib and then all hell breaks loose and as a result of this, Rick and his company and the treasure hunters return back to Cairo. But following them is a zombie version of Imhotep and he brings back all the 10 plagues to Egypt, including the locusts and fireballs and all that sort of stuff. And Benny being Benny, you know, he sold, he sold out and he sold out on everybody here. He's sided with Imhotep and he's gone, oh yes, you're a master, I'll do anything, you know, all this sort of rubbish. And you get some really gnarly scenes here where Imhotep, where in order for him to go back to full strength, he needs all the organs from living people. So the people who took the, or the treasure hunters who took the canopy jars away, their numbers up. Because I think there's five of them all together and you get Imhotep who hunts them all down. So you get like a sort of scene where he takes them all down and then he goes back to full strength. 
and it's now up to Rick and his crew to now try and stop Imhotep and they now team up with the Magi leader Ardef um, who explains that you know the best way we can try and stop him is with the Book of the Dead and Evelyn believes that the book um, that brought him back to life there must be a book that can take him back again which must be back at the city so um, you've now got a scene where they like trying to stop him but on top of all this Imhotep looks at Evelyn and he thinks that she is Anak Sanamun God, I can't pronounce her name sorry guys <laughs> and he kidnaps Evelyn so you've now got a rescue movie and you've got a scene where Rick is standing in the middle of Cairo City with Ardef and Jonathan and he's got his gun and Imitech takes Evelyn away and then Ardef comes out and says something pretty cool he says live today die tomorrow and then Rick says to him, he points his gun at Imhotep, he goes, I'll be seeing you again like that. And then they escape into the underground sewer. So in order for uh, Rick and Jonathan and Ardev to try and get back to the city of death on the hurry up, they now commandeer a biplane with an old fighter pilot. And you get a pretty cool scene here in the desert with a biplane. It's a bit like a sort of Biggles moment here where Rick goes up to him and says, I need to borrow your plane and he said and the old pilot goes well what's it all about and Rick just come out very sort of sarcastic he goes well what I've got to do is rescue the girl take on a serious badass and save the world apart from that not much really <laughs> and just going back to me in the cinema back in 1999 you know if I haven't been entertained by that first scene or the boat scene or the Cairo scene or all that all the action you just think this film can't get any better, can it? Can it? Yeah, it can. So you now got a biplane flying through the Sahara Desert, or flying through the desert of Egypt. And you get a really cool scene here where Imhotep kind of mimics himself onto the sand and you sort of see his face and it's flying behind the plane. And then Rick gets onto the Vickers machine gun and starts firing at it. And you see him sort of putting his goggles down and old Death is strapped to the wing of the plane, it's pretty cool. And um, they get taken out and the plane crashes and Imhotep manages to stop him, or does he? No, Rick's still alive. So Imhotep takes Evelyn back to the city and Rick isn't far behind them and Rick manages to get to the city armed up with some weapons, Ardeff's um, taking the Vickers machine gun off and he's pretty cool, he turns into a pretty cool character, becomes a bit of a badass and they come across um, some resistance of other mummies and they are being resurrected now so you get some pretty cool fight scenes here you've got Ardef blowing the hell out of all these mummies with this uh, Vickers machine gun and I guess it's where the film kind of turns into a bit of a sort of Jason the Argonauts moment because um, Rick is now armed with a sword and he's taken on all the um, mummified guards and you get some really good action scenes and he's trying to rescue here uh, Evelyn while she's about to get sacrificed and after fighting off all these mummified priests uh, he manages to unleash Evelyn and then she reads from the book of Amun-Ra and she makes Imhotep immortal again and then he is fatally wounded by Rick who um, stabs him with a sword and then Imhotep's soul is taken back to the underworld and um, He's been taken care of, but now you've got Benny, he's uh, looting all the treasure and he's accidentally set off all the traps and now the temple is starting to fall down. So you kind of got like another Indiana Jones moment here where Rick and uh, Jonathan and Evelyn are trying to escape. 
and all the temple um, ceilings are starting to come down and they just manage to get out but then Benny gets trapped inside but Rick he, he won't leave him behind he says come on Benny and he tries to rescue him but he goes, he goes come on Benny and he goes goodbye Benny <laughs> so, and then Benny gets taken out by those like uh, I forgot to mention actually the little scarab um, things that come alive as they drop into the sand and he ultimately gets his comeuppance in the end and then the film comes to the closing act where you've got Rick and Evelyn on a camel and it just displays a little bit of treasure in the back and then somehow Ardeth has managed to escape as well you thought he was dead earlier and then he comes out and then he just says you know he gives them a blessing and says, may, you know, may God look down upon you forever and all this sort of stuff. And um, there you go. The heroes ride off into the sunset. And that is it. That is a bite-sized review of The Mummy. And as I said at the beginning of the show, guys, um, it's just a fun movie. Kind of, It does everything you want it to do on the tin. You know, it's just, um, it's got action. It's got comedy. And the film really runs along at a really fast pace as well. There's not one point in this film that I watch it where I feel like I'm bored. And it just does everything. And I think that's the reason why it was such a smash hit at the time. It's just such a really good summer blockbuster. So, uh, really entertaining film. So, as I always say, if you haven't seen it, go check it out. If you have, hopefully you're a fan like me. So, um, there you go, guys. Um, hope you enjoyed the show. Um, so that's it. Uh, as I always say, a little bit of admin for the show. I'm a proud member of the Legion Podcast Network, uh, so please go and check out all the other shows. Um, you can find Bite Size Cinema on iTunes and I'm on Stitcher, YouTube, and obviously the Legion Podcast Network, so you can find it on there. Also got a Facebook page, so go check that out. Some pretty cool stuff going on there. And what am I going to be doing next? Oh, I don't know. Um, actually, yes, I do know. Um, I'm going to do something different, actually. I am going to review a film which is fresh out of the box. A film I saw the other day called... Was it VFW? Uh, Veterans of Foreign War. I absolutely loved it. So I'm going to have a chat about that. I'll save it for the next episode. So again, it's something different. I haven't done this before. So I, I usually review films which have been out for a while. Um, but this film's too good not to talk about so look out for that that's going to come out soon so keep it bite size keep it safe and I will see you guys soon this show then make sure you check out the other great shows on the legion podcast network like cinema psyops cinema beef devour the podcast duncan and Bo come correct exploding heads horror movie podcast friday the 13th get slayed the hell Ming power hour hello this is the doom show hero hero ghost show kill the cast underwater kaiju from outer space jerry hates action legion after dark metal health obsessive cinema discourse 
Pick 6 Movies, the podcast by The Cemetery, the podcast on Haunted Hill, the Psycho-Semantic Podcast, Rick Radio, House of Wax, Dude Looks Like the 80s, Rabbit and Red Radio, The Shadecast, Short Bus Cinema, Two Drink Minimum Commentaries, The VD Clinic, Who Will Survive Horror Podcast, and Which Versus the Doomsday Clock. With such a widespread of shows, there is guaranteed to be a niche for you to fall in love with. Horror, politics, movies, books, sex, music, commentaries, health, video games, kaiju, action, news, comedy, and opinions that would most likely get you killed in some parts of the world. We are proud to bring you some of the best podcasting in the world. Check us out at www.legionpodcast.com, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, and any other dark corner of the internet where podcasts can be found.